0: Welcome to Fruit Loops, Episodio 215? 215? What? (laughs) Bienvenidos, bitches. T B Binafi, and thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and anybody else who's marginalized in any way. And the victims, because contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight, cisgender, able-bodied white dudes. What? It's true, and let me tell you a little (laughs) bit. Let let me get into it. These crimes barely get any public attention, and that is because the news is... (sighs) What? (laughs) What is it? I was was just holding my breath. It's racist. It's racist. Uh,
1: (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, a Black Latinx woman. And I'm Beth, and I just happen to be white. Yeah, I wanted to
0: insert, you know that meme... Where the guy's like, "Hey, we are African Americans," you know what I'm saying? And Beth, <laughs> Beth here. But it, it, you know what I'm talking about. Have you see yeah. that? That's yeah. what I think of what, about our show. This Listen, part. <laughs> we are African Americans. We're gonna be proud about it.
1: And plus, Beth's plus here. Beth. Yes. But you know what? We're not. What? (laughs) We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Nope. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. All right. So, who are we talking about today, Beth? Today, we're talking about Hugo Ernesto Osorio Chavez, a former police officer in El Salvador who confessed to being a serial killer. At least a dozen skeletons were exhumed from mass graves at his home. And this story was suggested to us by our fruity in Brazil, Bert. O.
0: Bert, love yeah. you so, so much. Hope you're doing yeah. well over there in Brazil. And we appreciate the suggestion because this was a very interesting case. Yeah, fascinating this
1: is really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But before we get into it, how you doing? I'm all right. You know, we had a few days off from work over the holiday yeah Uh, which was very welcome i have to say oh my god yeah it was so needed
0: so much needed yeah and you know as far as thanksgivings go i've it's been a while since we've gone out on thanksgiving and everything was closed but everything was closed not everything but even cvs had limited hours you know right but yeah, it was Uh, it was so good. Yeah. The food was so good. Yeah. Me and my family, we've lived kind of all over, me and Old Whitey, since we got together. And we always seem to get like a found family, somebody who invites us somewhere. <laughs> right. And we got invited to a family that's a friend of, of my son's. And the dad has like helped Old Whitey with some projects. So we went over there. Oh, my God. I mean, it was soul food city. Mm. The Greens. Oh my God, <laughs> the cornbread! Oh my God, that cornbread. Then they had oh my, and I think this is only I- I've never had this at white people Thanksgiving. Lemon cake? Nope. Sweet potato pie?
1: No, I did. have Red
0: that. velvet cake? Okay, nope, did not have. Ask that. about <laughs> me. Um, and also oh, there was
1: another black dessert, apple cake. Have you oh. ever had apple cake? Yes, I have. Yeah, but it's I didn't know that was bread? a black dessert.
0: I didn't know it was I mean, I it, just it could assumed be. it was because everybody there was black and black person made it. I don't know. In my in my black experience, I've never heard of back apple cake. But apple maybe, cake, it's yeah. th- maybe it's a southern thing. It maybe it's a southern thing because your mom's a southern thing. Yeah. Yeah. She's God, southern. It was so good. And you know when they were like, fix yourself a plate before you go home. Fixed yeah. three.
1: Now wow. when
0: we got home, I took it upon myself to get a midnight snack and there were no leftovers when people woke up. I ate it all. Oh no. not all of it, but a lot of it because it was so (laughs) good. Did I mention how good all this stuff was? But was it good? Oh my God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, also I wanted to say this for the pod. My daughter is in third grade and it's social studies time, y'all. And Mm -hmm. you know I got a big problem with how America teaches us about yeah. history. So my daughter was learning about Oprah Winfrey and she read a whole story about her and asked these critical thinking questions. And she was asked, has Oprah overcome poverty and racism? And my daughter goes, well, definitely the poverty part, but right. nobody's overcome the racism part. Yeah,
1: good answer. <laughs> I was like,
0: oh, You should be very baby.
1: proud. I was, yeah. I, was. <laughs> I
0: was, I was. Like, hey, do you have spelling that? Write that, write that. Yeah, and yeah. Give, your teacher, my card. If she has any fucking. <laughs> anyway, oh, you know what, fruities I hope y'all had a nice Thanksgiving too. Yeah, I think Beth and Minnie feel the same way too. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into some listener Hello. Okay. Where is my harp? Well, oh, hello, there it is. Angels. Oh,
1: I just thank you.
0: Harp out of the closet. <laughs>
1: They came. The angels came flying out of your car. Yeah, closet. they did. Wow. <laughs> With their hearts. Wow. With their hearts and a bag? What's and in a the bag? bag. <laughs> wow. Well, we got an Instagram DM Ooh. from mm. at Thick Clinic. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, love the pod. I'm not sure if you guys have watched the Escaping Twin Flames yet. If mm. not, watch. <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on this in an episode. These MLM cults are insane. Insane. (laughs) We we continue the
0: conversation a little bit more. Oh, good, good. And Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to say this for Thick Clinic and any other Fruities who are not able to make it to our video club. We're having it in December and we will be talking about this wild. Escaping Twin Flames, yeah. I was, I was, Jesus? Meal plans. What? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i don't know what to say but um we will have a lot to say about it at our video club but if you're not able to make it you can get at us with your thoughts you know if you've been thinking about it or questions that you want us to kind of address during our discussion get at us you know where to find us Also, um do we have a date
1: for the video club yeah december 19th fantastic yes can't
0: wait to see you there,
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, thick clinic and I continue the conversation. For and we were just it was this boom boom boom. Did you believe this? Could you believe this? Could you? So that's probably what our video club will be like.
1: And uh, yeah, i hope to see all of you there. Yeah, it's gonna be super fun. <laughs> um,
0: my head, my head spins thinking about that documentary. Wow. Yeah,
1: and I also wanted to say you can leave us a voicemail at. Six zero two
0: nine three five six two nine four,
1: and we may feature it on a feature episode.
0: That's right. So we got two new Patreons this week, Kay and Corey. It's the K's. <laughs> By the time this drops, it will be two weeks ago. But we thank you very much for supporting our little show. Yeah, thank you. And do you know something crazy? What I have my tunes. You have them? I have them. (laughs) They are right here. (laughs) They're there. Okay. And let's get those air horns before this bitch forgets to do it at all. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Kay and Corey's a returning champ. We appreciate it. Yeah. Kay's Patreon donation is just wonderful and handsome. And thank you. So this one is for Kay. Because I gotta have K, K, K. I gotta have K. Because I gotta have K, K, K. I gotta have K, a K, a K, K. Baby! <laughs> well, thank you so much, K, for Yeah, thank show. you. I had another tune for K, just in case this one didn't work out. So it was going to go like this. K. Is for the way you support
1: me.
0: <laughs> and I couldn't think of any other letters. Oh, so that would make us like catchy to make it good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway,
1: so Kay got a bonus sentence.
0: Yeah. And then Corey, Corey, this is for you. <clears throat> One, two, three. We gotta say thanks, Corey. We came to rock it on to the whole mass. Best Alliance and podcast. Wow. <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> hey, listen, y'all, thank you so much for supporting our show for our current, yeah. past, future, future. patrons. <laughs> we we appreciate you so much. Can't do any of this yeah. without you. So let's take a quick break and get back to the podcast. Uh. When we come back. I love. <laughs> <I'm> fired. Fired.
2: <laughs>
3: My name is Bill Huffman and slow burn media production subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows on the morning of august 1st 1966 shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the university of texas campus it marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in america
1: our subject today is Hugo Ernesto Osorio Chavez, aka El Monstro de Chalchuapa, a former police officer in El Salvador who confessed to being a serial killer. At least a dozen bodies were found buried in his yard. Wow. Yeah.
0: I don't have any bodies in my yard. Uh, what? <laughs> what are we going to do? All the cool uh, kids have bodies I in know. their yard. Oh, man. Darn <laughs> it. But uh, jokes aside, We want to just give love, light, and reverence and be as respectful to the actual lives that were lost. There's a lot of names we don't have, and we apologize for that. Nonetheless, love and light and rest in power to any and all of the victims in this case, the communities, the communities were affected by this, um, and the loved ones left behind in the wake. The victims who we do know are Alexis Palomo Lima, He was 23 years old. Jacqueline Cristina Palomo Lima, 26. That's Alexis's sister. And Mirna Cruz Lima, 57. And that is their mother. Now, I also want to mention that of the dozens of bodies, they ranged in age. I believe the youngest remains were of a two-year-old. Yeah. So again, love and light to the victims and uh, rest in power. And I got to say, look. History and context are very important, especially when we're talking about underrepresented people. Yeah. So now let's get into the setting.
1: Well, the setting is Chalchuapa, a town near the Guatemalan border in El Salvador, about 48 miles northwest of San Salvador. Chalchuapa is in the Santa Ana department, and a department is like a province or a state. Yeah. Okay. The department's capital is also called Santa Ana. And it is one of the country's largest cities.
0: Yeah, it was interesting reading the sources because I didn't know that. So Spanish is different. Not completely different in every country, but there's different words that are specific to each region. And I wasn't aware of the department. one. There's another word that I read in some articles they called places colonia or colonies. And I was like, what? How dare they? But it means (laughs) like like neighborhood or suburb. Oh, okay. okay. uh, But the area is a coffee growing region known for its active volcanoes, wildlife and Mayan pyramids. Did you see pictures? I didn't see pictures of this one. It looks beautiful. I just saw pictures on the YouTube but not of the like the Old area. Livestine. Yeah, not of the area, but yeah. yeah, it it does look beautiful. I love Central America. I want to be cremated there. So oh. spread my ashes in the Caribbean. Okay. 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 Thank you. All right. (laughs) uh, Chalchuapa is of indigenous origin, and during the golden age of coffee, was one of the most booming municipalities in the west of the country.
1: Before the Spanish colonial period, El Salvador was inhabited by a sizable indigenous population. Mm -hmm. The pipel, also known as the Nahua, were the predominant tribe in the region prior to the Spanish conquest.
0: They are descendants of the Aztecs of Mexico and are considered to be a branch of the pre-Columbian Toltec civilization. They named their territory and capital Cuscatlan, meaning Land of the Jewel. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And the name is still sometimes applied to El Salvador today.
1: The Spanish conquest and colonization of El Salvador began in 1524 with the arrival of an expedition from Guatemala. A community was permanently established in 1528. Due to intermarriage between Spanish settlers and the indigenous population, about nine-tenths of the population today is mestizo. And that means, does it mean mix or what's it mean?
0: It does mean mix. Mestizaje is to mezclar... To mix um, DNA and genes. Okay. Okay. But it was intentional for colonizers to do this. And by the way, if you have any interest in seeing, what is that flower of the flower moon with Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, this sort of reminds me of that. The mestizaje was intentional. And in other words, colonizers believed that if they had sex with and had children, had with. children yeah. with people who were there, that their skin and features would become. More European like making the and, population and it would also, more
1: acceptable. Yeah, it would also bind the people to them because you know once you have children. Well, that's then... the
0: thing. That's what you would think, but here's what's really weird about European and Western colonizers. Because if fucking would have solved these problems, <laughs> it would have worked years no, ago. <laughs> no, no. What,
1: what I'm saying is oh. that the indigenous people would be. Bound to them.
0: Not necessarily that they would be bound
1: to the indigenous people.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so true and even more sinister and evil. Yeah. I hate yeah. it more now. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. <Eva. laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> wow. But yeah, in the Flower Moon, it's similar in some ways. The white people realized that the indigenous Osage community had oil on their land and were getting it right, right. off of it. So all these white people were like, dude, let's marry into the family so we could steal other money yeah. and stuff. It's that is traumatic up. to be used yeah. in that way. Anyway, yeah. tangents, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> let's move on. El Salvador gained independence from Spain in 1821. By 1860, El Salvador had become a major coffee exporter, but reliance on coffee as the main export has led to financial turmoil and social inequality. So that's that capitalism, y'all. Yeah get rid of it (laughs) a few local elites held a monopoly on coffee exports It's capitalism capitalizing and displaced peasants primarily of indigenous origin became the labor force wages were low and working conditions were harsh
1: brewing social unrest erupted into open conflict by the mid-1970s culminating in a bloody civil war that lasted 12 years Under the excuse of fighting communism, the Reagan administration sided with the country's right wing government against the leftist guerrillas. It armed the military, trained and advised its officer corps and covered up their worst abuses.
0: Well, Nancy, if we cover it up, nobody <laughs> will know what happened. The history books will look kindly upon me, Nancy. Yeah, my I'm Remy Reagan. needs some work, but <laughs> uh, uh, I found mean, it was pretty good, actually. Thank yeah. you. I've really been working on my impressions for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely no reason. <laughs>
2: Oh, man. Uh,
0: The Reagan administration also provided training to one of the deadliest death squads known in Latin America, the Atla Catal Battalion. The battalion formed in 1981 as El Salvador's first rapid response unit dedicated to fighting leftist guerrillas was intended as an example of how American money and training. (laughs) Look at us. Mm. We just believe we're like the center of the whole world. We do. How, uh, it, we could be the example yes. of how American money and training could transform the Salvadorian army into a professional fighting force. Boo rah! <laughs> Boo rah! <laughs> Look at the American dick!
1: <laughs> Sorry, I got carried away. I keep doing that. <laughs> I'm so surprised. <laughs> So with many of its officers trained at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, the battalion specialized in counterinsurgency tactics. Mm -hmm. Lightly armed, small units were transported to combat hotspots in helicopters, enabling soldiers to respond more quickly to fast-moving guerrilla bands.
0: So they started this counterinsurgency bullshit back in 1980-something, and... Hey, quick question, guys. Is it working? (laughs) Shouldn't we be teaching it to (laughs) other people? Yeah. Yeah. So at the same time, the battalion became enmeshed in some of the most egregious abuses of El Salvador's Civil War. An Atla Cato platoon killed six Jesuit priests in 1989 at the height of a guerrilla offensive. A number of other mass killings have been blamed on the battalion. By the way, it should it, we should also note that there were a lot of peaceful protesters of the fascism and right wing right wing regime. They just didn't have guns. <laughs> the guerrillas right. did, right? Yeah. So they, every the, everybody in El Salvador is like, we're poor. The rich are getting richer. This isn't fair. This isn't right. There was multiple approaches to attacking that problem, but the guerrillas yeah. are the one who get the most coverage because, yeah, violence. Yep,
1: exactly. Yeah. And on December 11th, 1981, one of the worst massacres in modern Latin American history commenced in El Salvador in the village of El Mezote. Some 1,000 civilians, most of them women and children, were slaughtered over a period of several days by the Atlacatl Battalion, which had been trained, funded, and equipped by the United States.
0: Wow. Way to go, guys. Yeah. El Salvador's civil war of 1980 to 1992, a very long time, mm-hmm. destroyed the country's economy and destroyed its infrastructure and killed more than 75,000 people with the vast majority of atrocities perpetrated by the right wing state in collaboration with paramilitary outfits and death squads. Like the moment somebody's like, I've got a plan, death squad. Death squads. You yeah. that's when you
1: think, think about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nearly a quarter of the El Salvadorian population ended up moving to the United States to flee the violence caused by the United States.
1: Yeah. Following the United Nations-mediated 1992 peace accords, which contained fundamental provisions for El Salvador's democratization, including the removal of the military from political affairs, Hmm. the country began to recover from years of political and economic turmoil only to be devastated by Hurricane Mitch in 1998 and by a major earthquake in 2001. That wasn't that long ago.
0: I remember that. Also, you know, all this aid and training, the United States doesn't just give that away for free. So these countries in Central America that or other parts of the world that um, America has had a hand in destabilizing, part of the destabilization is making these countries take on tremendous debt.
1: Yeah. They owe us money. Yeah. yeah.
0: Skyrocketing crime, faltering economic growth, and persistent social inequality have further hampered full post-war Reconstruction.
1: During its brutal civil war, El Salvador grappled with thousands of disappearances, and it faces a similar issue today. But rather than war, the threats come from gangs and drug cartels. No one knows exactly how many people in El Salvador have gone missing, but suffice it to say, it's thousands a year.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's it's an official name, los desaparecidos.
1: Yeah, the disappeared. It's
0: a like it's a population of yeah. disappeared people, which is wild. Missing persons is a big problem in El Salvador. It's been reported that over six thousand people went missing in El Salvador between 2019 and June of 2022. There have been 20,000 reports of missing people from 2014 to 2019, and 2019 had the highest disappearance rate, which reached 43 per 100,000 people. In 2021, the number of unexplained disappearances increased from 595 in 2020 to about 1,100. So actually more like 1,200. Yeah, there we go. 1,200. So it, it pretty much doubled. Yeah, it's a problem. And I know El Salvador is trying to do something about it. There's think tanks and centers that are working on this issue, but it has not been eradicated.
1: Yeah. And why are they back? Oh. One reason mm-hmm. is that it makes it easier for killers to avoid investigation if they just make a body disappear.
0: No body, no crime.
1: Yep, exactly. And that goes both for gang members killing their rivals and for cops secretly executing suspects.
0: Wait a minute. Do you mean to tell me that law enforcement? is corrupt?
1: As corrupt as the gang? Uh, I'm not saying it. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> I believe
0: police forces are also gangs. So, but the disappearance also reflect a political strategy. That became evident when El Salvador's top 2 gangs reached a government-backed truce in 2012. The homicide rate among the highest in the hemisphere plunged. But disappearances Rose. Right, and so the numbers are just shifting. They're not changing or improving.
1: Nope. Nope. Angelica Duran Martinez, who studies Latin American violence at the University of Massachusetts at Lowell, said, "If violence needed to be carried out by gangs, it needed to be invisible to avoid attention from state authorities." Unquote. And analysts suspect the gangs and the government hide corpses to keep the homicide rate down. Whoa!
0: that's that's And the government, though? And the government, yeah. Okay. Gangs have dominated life in El Salvador since the late 90s, but they did not originate there. Two of the most notorious gangs, MS-13 and Barrio 18, both began in Los Angeles at least a decade earlier, as hundreds of thousands of Salvadorians fled the Civil War.
1: Many of the teenagers, adrift when they arrived, turned to crime in the inner city, where Mexican and Black gangs enforced a brutal racial hierarchy. After thousands of Salvadoran youths were arrested, the Clinton administration saw an opportunity to demonstrate its toughness, both on immigration and on crime, and it deported violent offenders without even telling the Salvadoran government who they were.
0: Wow. So this is more dick flexing?
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: I just need it to stop.
1: Not a fan. It doesn't help anyone. No.
0: All right. Well, cliques from Southern California arrived in El Salvador, bringing their rivalries and their turf wars with them. By 2015, there were some 60,000 gang members in El Salvador and 70 percent of the country's businesses were being extorted. The homicide rate was higher than it had been during much of the Civil War. Wow. That's mm-hmm. nuts. It, it, it's That was 75,000 people who died during
1: the civil war. So that's
0: a staggering number.
1: In recent decades, every Salvadoran president has had to contend with gangs. One administration sent soldiers to poor neighborhoods and filled the country's prisons under a policy it called Mano Dura or Stronghand. Another reprised it as Super Mano Dura.
0: Oh, okay. So, all right. Well, here's my idea death squads and Mano Dura.
1: Okay, well, super manodura. guess what? I, my
0: idea is super Mano Dura. Take that, my good sir. So, uh, Na- Naib Bukele, the charismatic mayor of San Salvador, called these responses immoral and impractical. God, somebody's got some sense. Oh, hold on a second. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait a minute. And in February of 2019, Bukele was elected president on promises of change. His party is called Nuevas Ideas. Well, they're going to know exactly what that stands for. New ideas. Yes.
1: Yes. But according to an article published in the El Salvador newspaper El Faro, Bukele started negotiating with MS-13 as soon as he became president. Oh, no. Yeah. Based on seven audio recordings of conversations between members of MS-13 and a government negotiator close to Bukele, secret meetings were held between gang leadership and government representatives for two years. Not two years. Two years. The official takes pains to describe everything he's done for the gang to prove his, quote, Loyalty and trustworthiness, unquote.
0: Oh, no, they got it on tape.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they got it on tape. What a
0: dubby. (laughs) (laughs) So less than a week after the story was published, Bukele announced that the government would investigate El Farro for money laundering. Since then, he has attacked the newspaper relentlessly. (laughs) Sounds familiar. Sometimes calling out journalists by name.
1: So if you read about this guy and and the things that he's done, he has big Trump energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I am sensing that from this script and there. I just include a few things in this script. There's just so much he's done. Uh And like you read it and you're like, oh, Trump did that. Oh, Trump did that. Oh, wow. Or at least he tried to.
0: It's just really interesting to me how in these times there are several Trumpian leaders all over the world. Including it's, the one who was just elected, I think, in Argentina, yeah, where they had a desaparecidos um, yep. problem too, and yeah. he is wacky wild. I mean, yeah. oh yeah. my goodness! So but there's a lot of them. Boris, th- there Charles is, Putin. and
1: it's it's scary because this is what happened in the lead up to World War II. You know, there was Hitler, oh, no. Mussolini. Uh-huh. You know, oh. all oh, kinds no. of dictators. Yeah. Oh boy. So I'm not saying that's going to happen here. I'm just saying it's it's swinging <laughs> towards uh, that's dictators. How it happened last time Yeah. oddly and, you know, similar. Yeah. It's oddly similar. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <I> <laughs> so think of There you go. Funny
0: to say <laughs> that
1: thought. Well, uh, so moving on. moving on. Back to the story. So <laughs> Bukele has been calling out journalists by name, and a few of them have been forced into exile, and many others have adopted the practice of leaving the country after publishing a story and then waiting to return until the threats have died down. The newspaper has a large international following, but inside El Salvador, Bukele's campaign against it has succeeded, and many people have come to see El Faro as partisan and unreliable. And recently, it moved its headquarters out of El Salvador.
0: That is wild. Yeah. And it's, again, this is too familiar.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's nuts.
3: or wherever fine podcasts are found.
2: 3am the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, glitches in the matrix, cult leaders, missing 411, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian devil worship, and so many monsters it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends, trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3AM, the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go.
0: Last year, Bukele refused. A U.S. request to extradite 14 top-ranking members of MS-13. The Salvadorian government secretly released some of the men from prison,
1: and they're now at large. Mm, The
0: following month, homicides decreased.
1: Gee, I wonder how that happened. Very interesting. I bet you the disappearances increased. I think you're right. I'm learning how this math is mathing in the El Salvadorian government's eyes. In March of 2022, there was a gang killing spree which, according to some gang members, was in response to the arrest of a group of gangsters who were traveling in a government vehicle. They felt betrayed because they'd been promised safe passage. In response to the killing spree,
0: the National Assembly, which Bukele's party controls, passed a sweeping law to block news outlets from reporting on the gang situation. Wow. Journalists could now face up to 10 years in prison if they reproduced or transmitted information that might have come from gang sources
1: or could otherwise, quote-unquote, panic the public. Wow. Yeah. The National Assembly also instituted a state of exception under which authorities could arrest anyone they considered suspicious. Detainees were not entitled to a legal defense. The right to gather in groups larger than two was suspended, and all minors would be tried as adults. It suspended some fundamental rights, such as access to a lawyer and being told the reason for one's arrest. Wow. Sounds great. Gosh, children are being tried as adults.
0: This happens in yeah. the United States. Yeah. Um, it also happens to young people in the West Bank and Gaza. And, you know, I just I don't understand how you could look at a kid and be like, you know what? We're going to try and you th- as an you adult. It yeah. doesn't make
1: any sense. It does like, minors. Would be tried as adults. What, what kind of sense does that sentence make? It makes Not, no sense. Yeah, yeah, we're doomed.
0: Anyway, yeah. Rina Monti, the director of investigations at Christosal, a human rights group, said, quote, the state of exception is directed at the poor, marginalized areas. These are stigmatized communities with people who are seen as having, quote, questionable trustworthiness, unquote. You hear people say, surely they must have done something if they're being taken away, unquote. And that's what you think until they come for you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. More than 72,000 people have been arrested under this state of exception. Critics say there is no due process and thousands of innocent people have been swept up in it. More than 7,000 have been released for lack of evidence of gang ties. Bukele's government has also been known for hiding and blocking access to information,
0: especially when it comes to corruption, murders, violence, and missing Salvadorians. But in El Salvador, Bukele's security policies are very popular. That's
1: interesting. Yeah, because of all the violence. Because he's Uh, suppressing the the violence. Yeah. 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 In 2015, El Salvador was considered one of the world's most violent countries as it recorded about 106 homicides per 100,000 people. The homicide rate has been steadily declining and in 2022 it was approximately 8 homicides per 100,000 inhabitants so that's what they're seeing and that's what they like
0: oh uh, i i want can you make the numbers more tasty and attractive for me please
1: the are uh, we? yeah
0: i mean that's not what, yeah. how if you're not even tracking the data accurately you can't well, are
1: yeah i know but they're um it's propaganda they're being it fed is. propaganda yeah but
0: it's not dissimilar to the way murder statistics crime statistics are also tracked in the united states which are yeah. it's it's all problematic yeah if you ask me it should be tracked but in a fair accurate and just way that is effective at solving problems that's not all fucked up yeah can we please <laughs> <laughs> Bukele, whose first term began in 2019, said in September last year that he would seek re-election despite a constitutional ban on consecutive terms. In 2021, the country's highest court, whose members were appointed by a Nuevas Ideas, controlled Congress, ruled Bukele could seek a
1: second term. Hey, Do you think he's ever going to leave? I don't think so. I don't think I think so. he's going to keep running. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I was surprised that he's still in office. But I uh, I I shouldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into the early life of Hugo Ernesto Osorio Chavez.
1: What do you not, Beth? Well, we don't know much about Hugo Ernesto Osorio Chavez's early life. We should say that this is another story that was difficult to research due to the language and information barrier. But some sources say that he was born on June 2nd, 1970, in Chalchuapa to Antonio Chavez Coalar and Mercedes Osorio, which means he grew up during El Salvador's civil war.
0: I thought it was February. So anyway, sometime in 1970.
1: Yeah, it was either February 6th or June 2nd. <laughs> what? Okay. Cause yeah. you know,
0: In other parts of the world, the month and the
1: date are flipped. Are flipped. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. The article that I pulled this from said uh, June 2nd, but it could be February 6th that he was born. Doesn't matter. 1970.
0: Got it. So he had a ninth grade education and at the age of 26, he graduated from the police academy and he joined the force in 1997. He then got fired He got his ass fired from the force in 2005 for having sexual relations with a minor and for raping an underage person. Mm. He was described by one officer as, quote, having sexually aggressive behavior, unquote. Gross. Yeah. Osorio Chavez spent five years in prison for that.
1: After he was released, he lived in a house in Chalchuapa on Calleón Estevez. He also reportedly purchased a piece of land where he built a home for a woman named Maria, who was the mother of his two children, a son and a daughter.
0: The purchase of the land and home was curious to some neighbors. And I'm wondering where he got that money from. Uh, Authorities suspected Osorio Chavez was a member of a gang. It has also been reported that he worked as a coyote for people who were seeking to emigrate to the United States.
1: He would visit Maria and the kids about once a week, and it's been reported that while visiting his family, he would do, you know, family stuff like talking to local girls and flirting.
0: <laughs> I bet
1: the shade of it all. <laughs> One of the girls that he liked to talk to was named Daniela Pena, a 14-year-old student who went missing on October 26th of 2018.
0: Osorio Chavez's neighbors described him as a nice person who minded his business and was generally a good guy. One source said he invited his neighbors to go on fun trips with him on more than one occasion.
1: I do not want to go on a fun trip with this guy. I don't either. Nope. <laughs> it doesn't I'm, not I'm sound fun. This one out. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'll stay here. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. So, I'm gonna watch my programs.
0: It was funny because <laughs> if he invited the neighbors, but it wasn't clear to me if he, the neighbors if actually actually
1: went. went. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was more <laughs> that than sounds one Fun, but no yeah. thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like, one of the trips was to a park with a water slide. Do you want to come? Uh, And I don't know if they went or not.
1: Uh, But anyway, (laughs) um, so now we're going to get into the timeline. Hit it, Beth. So reportedly, in 2019, a man named Douglas Antonio Hernandez Recinos brought a young relative of his to Osorio Chavez's home. The minor child had already been subjected to multiple sexual assaults by Hernandez Racinos, and on this day, she was also subjected to sexual assault by Osario Chavez.
0: The minor victim escaped and told her family what happened, and a complaint was filed in 2020. An arrest warrant was filed but never served. As far as we can tell, nothing else was done at the time.
1: In 2021, 24-year-old Alexis Paloma de Lima was a medical student in his fourth year who lived with his family. He dreamed of going to America. His mom, Mirna, was a 57-year-old woman and a retired secretary who had set up a store near the neighborhood where she lived on the outskirts of the city of Santa Ana to help support her family. And guess who started showing up at the store?
0: Gee, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so uh, some reports say that Osorio Chavez met Mirna's daughter, actually, who's uh, Alexis's older sister, Jacqueline Cristina, on social media. And it was she who introduced him to her mother. In any case, one day Mirna told Osorio Chavez that they were struggling financially and her son's medical school was becoming very expensive and difficult to pay for. Mirna was worried that her son would have to abandon his studies and drop out of school.
1: Osorio Chavez told Myrna that his brother Carlos offered coyote services and that he could take Alexis to the U.S. for a fee of $7,000. Mm. So Alexis started to plan his trip. He was so excited that his American dream was about to become a reality that he didn't care that he had two more years of medical school left.
0: Oh, he wants to go to the States. Woo Yeah. States. Right on. The American dream is still alive. Maybe Tonight, for- yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It actually is a nightmare. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. Anyway, it was difficult for Mirna to come up with all of the money. Alexis asked his grandfather, who him and his sister called Papa, if he could mortgage his home to help. Papa wanted Ale, as he called him, to have a better life. So he figured out a way to make it work. And on May 4th, 2021, Mirna delivered the money to Osorio
1: Chavez. In the early hours of May 7th, Alexis said his tearful goodbyes to his family. But before nightfall that day, Osorio Chavez went to Alexis's mom's store and told her that her son had been kidnapped. He told Mirna
0: that he knew where the kidnappers took her son and he offered to take her to the location. What a nice guy! Yeah. It's, just like, it's just like the neighbor said, mm. a great guy. Jacqueline, Cristina, who went by Cristina or Cristi, heard this and she was terrified. But she stayed behind
1: while her mother went with Osorio Chavez. A little about Cristina. She was 26. She practiced martial arts, specifically judo, and she went to school for cosmetology. She worked at a local convenience store and she loved riding her bicycle.
0: Fierce, right? Yeah. Don't mess with a lady who engages in the martial arts. Yeah. Yeah. I I just think that's really great when women do that. Osorio Chavez took Mirna to his home on Callejón Estevez. There, he attacked Mirna, striking her repeatedly in the head and killing her. When Mirna did not come home, Cristina went looking for her mother.
1: Cristina went to Osorio Chavez's home to find her mom. Who knows what she saw when she got there. But whatever it was, was terrifying enough for her to flee immediately. She may have also been attacked, but able to fight off Osorio Chavez because of her judo training. In any case, she ran from the house screaming and crying for help. But Osorio Chavez
0: grabbed a metal pipe and went after her. The neighbors woke up due to all of the screaming and yelling. Some saw what happened and called 911 to report the violence that they
1: were seeing against a woman. The police dispatch tried to reach the police in Chalchuapa but couldn't find anyone immediately to go to the location of the calls and screams. At the same time, Osorio Chavez caught up to Cristina and hit her in the head with the metal pipe. She fell to the ground unconscious and Osario Chavez dragged her back to his home.
0: Now we're going to get into the investigation and the arrest. So eventually, on what seems like the longest, most awful day, this all yeah happened on May 7th. Yeah. And started in the morning. And now the police are here and it's not midnight yet. But the police were able to go and investigate. And it took them 70 minutes to get there. By then, though, it was too late
1: because Cristina had tried her best to fight off Osorio Chavez, but to no avail. Police arrived at the scene to find blood at the entrance of the house. Upon entering, they found the bodies of the two women. In the garage, they found a man with injuries to his wrists. Osario Chavez apparently attempted suicide, but was unsuccessful and he was taken to Chalchuapa Hospital.
0: The deceased women were identified as Cristina and Mirna. Police officers also found the bodies of two men inside a grave approximately three meters deep. What, that's nine feet?
1: Yeah, that's long. Yeah. Yeah. And in some articles, it said it was a septic tank, so I'm not really sure.
0: Oh, yeah. either way, that's yeah. really deep Awful. for yeah. somebody to do on their own.
1: Yeah. Osario Chavez was arrested that evening and transported to a maximum security detention center. The police tweeted, quote, given the level of danger Osario Chavez presents, he will be locked up in a cell where he won't even receive sunlight, unquote. During
0: questioning, Osorio Chavez confessed to the murders of Mirna and Cristina. He said that he found victims on social media and sought them out, luring them with the American
1: dream. In other cases, he offered them work. After his arrest, police searched his home. Forensic investigators wearing white hazmat suits and masks arrived at the home with shovels, picks and buckets to begin excavating the property. The team continued digging for days. According to some sources, the search turned up eight pits
0: that held 14 bodies, most of them belonging to women and girls as young as two years old. Alexis Palomo Lima was one of the two male bodies found. The other was Osorio Chavez's own brother, Carlos. What?
1: That's nuts. Yeah. And I don't know anything about the circumstances of Carlos's death.
0: I don't either, but I think I saw in one source that he was going to
1: take his brother's identity
0: or had been
1: using carlos's identity oh that makes sense yeah family members of missing relatives flocked to the area around the excavation ground while holding pictures of their missing loved ones they were hopeful that their missing loved one would be discovered in the horrific scene
0: also about carlos i wonder how long carlos had been dead yeah i don't know curious Skeletal remains were to be reassembled and subjected to DNA testing to determine their identities. Authorities said the depth of the pits where the remains were found suggested that more than one person was involved in burying them.
1: Police then charged 10 other people, claiming that the suspects were part of a murder ring targeting women and that they may have been operating for a decade. Mm, The accused included former policemen, former soldiers, and people smugglers. Um, so this is like a deep conspiracy, you know, like a,
0: a crime we'll keep, ring, keep a murder keep ring. ring. Keep Death going. Squads, I can't take it anymore, Beth. <laughs> um, but according to the newspaper La Prensa Grafica, police arrest records revealed that nine of ten alleged accomplices were detained for crimes unrelated to the case. For aggressive resistance, for appearing nervous or for not carrying their cell phone documents carrying a cell phone of dubious origin without any document proving that it was actually their
1: property and not stolen. Yeah, apparently that's a law in in El Salvador. Have
0: your cell phone documents. (laughs) Wow.
1: Yeah. As they were being processed, Osaria Chavez identified them and accused them of the murders, claiming that he did not kill all the people found on his property. They did. (laughs) He only helped throw the bodies into the pits.
0: A man named Henry Olivares Perdomo was arrested at 510 in the afternoon on May 8th, right, the following day, for crimes unrelated to the Chalchuapa case. He was a neighbor of Osorio Chavez, and he was arrested in
1: front of a house just a few blocks from Osorio's home. When Osorio Chavez saw him, he pointed him out and said, quote, that guy they are bringing in is called Henry Olivares, right? Approximately eight months ago that man brought a woman to my house whom he killed along with her daughter, whom he sexually abused, and then we threw them into a well, unquote. Wow. And so it went with the rest of the accused.
0: Each was identified by Osorio Chavez as they were brought into the station and as accomplices in his crimes.
1: So they were being arrested for other reasons and being brought in. And Osorio Chavez is saying, that guy, that guy was one of the guys that murdered somebody in. I helped throw the body in the pit. Yeah, and that guy over there, that guy helped.
0: Yeah, and yeah. so
1: he's just pointing out people and and accusing them.
0: Wouldn't you at that point though? Like it's over. <laughs> it's over for you. Like you why know bring else? other people you into this shit?
1: Jesus, <laughs> Mary, and Joseph. Yeah. Santa Claus. That Santa <laughs> Claus Officer? is a he's right evil there bastard. <laughs> Arrest that man, please. Um, but it
0: is a lot, and. I believe that he had to have had accomplices.
1: I don't know. I, you don't? I don't. I don't. Yes! <sighs> no. <laughs> okay. We'll <laughs> get into it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On May 17th, 2021, the prosecutor's office issued a statement that the 10 defendants would be held responsible for participating in nine femicides and five aggravated homicides. The chief prosecutor stated that there was evidence of more people murdered and buried and that they were cases from years ago.
0: Prosecutor Graciela Sagastume, coordinator of the Specialized Women's Unit, said, quote, The victims we have in this case were sexually assaulted. Therefore, the central access of the research is sexual violence as a tool of gender violence. We could not go into detail about the indicative evidence that we are presenting since a second stage of investigation is beginning. And out of respect and dignity for the victims, we are going to omit situations of how these victims arrived at the scene, unquote. I think that is, I just, I've not heard of that happening before. I know people try to keep sensitive things private, but nobody with any control like a prosecutor ever says it like that, you know? Yeah,
1: I don't know if that's actually true, what they're doing. What? You think it's a farce? I think that they were told they couldn't talk about it.
0: <gasps> oh, Beth, I never even considered. I was like, this is a lady prosecutor. Everything's going to be fine.
1: <laughs> I just what? read a lot of articles where they're like, why are they why are they not talking about this and is Bukele telling them not to talk about it and why did he tell them not to like just article after article like that yeah
0: oh oh there go my dreams wow <laughs>
1: <laughs> so president Bukele has remained relatively quiet about the story although he has downplayed it and accused his opposition of politicizing it And there are reports that he has had a hand in trying to silence the media and people involved in the investigation. And the press was quickly diverted from the story when President Bukele announced the use of Bitcoin (gasps) as a country's currency.
0: He literally did, look at this shiny thing Mm -hmm. over here while I distracted.
1: Exactly. Oh oh my God, that's
0: awful. Yeah. All right, let's get into the trial. (laughs) I... I can't with well, this. This is as bad as twin flames. So, the the, the process- I don't know. I don't know about that. But okay. <laughs> Well, we can discuss later, <laughs> but I, I mean, in the sense that it, this is making my head spin. Yeah, the like I I read the prosecutor's statement, Beth, and I was like, that like that's so beautiful. wonderful. And you're like, <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm just speculating, but yeah, that's what I think. Yes, of,
0: yes, absolutely. None of this has been proven or or Mm-mm. disproven, but no. it is interesting. Also, how we both came to it um, different completely different conclusions
3: yeah. yes true terrors of horror bizarre happenings unexplainable events on our podcast disturbed terror takes center stage
0: The prosecutor's office only accused Osorio Chavez of the double femicide of Mirna and Cristina. On June 10th, 2022, he received a 70-year sentence for his crimes.
1: In November of 2022, Osorio Chavez was sentenced to an additional 18 years for the rape of a minor, the young relative of Hernandez Rizinos, the story that we told at the top. Oh, yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, Hernandez Recinos was sentenced to 36 years in prison, 14 years for sexual assault of a minor, and 22 for aggravated rape of a minor.
0: On April 26, 2023, the trial began against nine of the 10 accused by Osorio Chavez. In May, they were acquitted because, according to the judge, there was no evidence to prove their participation in the crimes. The judge pointed out that the state's case was based only on the statements of Osorio Chavez whose story was, quote, implausible, unquote. But he couldn't have done this alone. (laughs) Did we see this? (laughs) The pit was nine feet deep. How did he get out? Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) They were released, then rearrested and charged again. Six of the nine defendants received sentences ranging from 20 to 110 years in prison. The three others were acquitted of the charges. However. They were kept in prison for the crime of illicit groups, which, as far as I can tell, means that they're being accused of being in a game.
0: OK, so now let's get into where are they now? Well, let me tell you, there has been a lack of information from the authorities regarding the identification of the bodies that were found at Osorio Chavez's house. I thought it was just me that I had poor Googling skills. Nope. So the number of bodies found has also fluctuated between 12 and 47.
1: The remains of 12 victims, including eight women, two men, and two girls, were delivered to their relatives on October 17th of 2021. At that time, the prosecutor in the case, Graciela Sagastume, said that there were at least 33 bodies removed from Osorio Chavez's house. However, municipal cemeteries have not received any other bones related to the case. Which is it?
0: (laughs) A source who requested anonymity said, quote, They were the only bones that have come, and there have not been any others. As far as I know, four people were buried in Chalchuapa, all women, a mother and her daughter and two
1: young girls, unquote. People in Osorio Chavez's neighborhood said that despite multiple reports of missing persons in the area, none of them have been contacted by the authorities to undergo DNA testing. Many families of missing persons continue the search on their own. That is really sad.
0: Yeah, just
1: sad and frustrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, and then and that let's get into our takes. OK, OK. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think?
1: What do you think about this case, Beth? <laughs> well, I think um, what made him snap growing up during the Civil War in El Salvador and all the violence related to that, that had to have been a, a factor. It had to. Have oh, been. yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But what's nuts to me about this story is the number of bodies reported uh-huh. and the nine accomplices charged in the murders. Yeah. And it seems very likely to me that none of the nine people charged were involved in these crimes at all. I agree I think, with
0: that, but I think yeah. it was other people. He just was naming it the first could, people to
1: get the smoke off. Yeah. I think he was just naming people as they walked in the door. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I mean, you're you're convinced that there was an accomplice. I'm not, but if there was an accomplice, maybe it was Carlos and then he killed Carlos. <gasps> maybe. Yeah. Yes, the pit is nine feet deep.
0: He's not. <laughs> nine feet well, tall. How did he get out? So, How did he dig that hole?
1: So some of the, like I said, some of the articles said it was a septic tank. So if it's a septic tank, then somebody else dug it, you know? Oh, good point.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I, so I, I
1: don't, I don't know. I don't know for sure. I think your Carlos idea is super plausible. Now I'm back on the
0: same page.
1: (laughs) (laughs) At least now we're we're in the same neighborhood. Now we're on the same train. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think it fit a narrative that the authorities wanted to sell all these accomplices. Yeah. It sounds like there were definitely 12 people killed. Yes. uh, But maybe that's it. Uh, Which is not to downplay those murders. Mm -hmm. But the government wanted to sell a story of 40 plus bodies found. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't think there were that many bodies. Maybe they were planning to say that some of the missing people were these bodies. Yeah. And then blame this one-off murder ring.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah on yes, missing
1: exactly. people. Yeah, a spin, Bukele, a PR campaign. Yes, exactly. Bukele wants people to think that El Salvador is a safe place to go. He wants people to go there on vacation. Oh. So, yeah, he's trying to promote the country as safe. And go there on vacation. It's beautiful. It does look beautiful. It and, does. And yeah. I do want to go, but.
0: <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I just.
1: The concerns,
0: yeah. I think, are totally,
1: you know, valid. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not going. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> um, well, Definitely not okay. going.
1: <laughs> um, so I think they're trying to blame some disappearances on this serial killer and murder ring where everyone just spin it in their face. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and there's look no at all more the threat. The work
0: Bukele did. You yeah, know what? exactly that guy deserves
1: to get reelected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's just what I think. I don't I don't know what's true. Uh, yeah. It's just so much information that mm-hmm. is different in like 12 people, 14 people, 20 yeah. people, 40 people, 47 people. huh Yeah, it just moves all over the place and Yeah. Shout out to you for your sense. media
0: literacy, Beth. Um, <laughs> I, I just appreciate how good you are at like. Oh, thank you. I didn't see this in enough places to believe it yet. I need to see yeah. it a hundred more places to confirm it.
1: <laughs> yes, I, exactly, and, uh, and you know, it, it has to. It has to all make sense. <laughs> yeah,
0: totally. I totally get it. I think that's. A, I'm commending you because it's a great skill to have for researching podcasts, but it is also a good skill to have. In
1: life, life. (laughs) 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 so what did you think? Well, Nancy, um,
0: (laughs) I think Ronald Reagan ruined everything, ashamed (laughs) of himself for destabilizing an entire region, not just El Salvador, an entire region, yeah. And I think you know, captain of the ship, president of the United States. The U.S. had a big hand in destabilizing the area, which made room for violence and civil unrest and corruption. Like, what, right. did, you, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. And the people were protesting and the U.S. government got involved to stop their revolution, which, again, there were peaceful elements of it and it was peaceful for a while. But the government was repressing people. The U.S. does what she always does because she is the messiest of all the hoes. And then it's like, surprise, like, girl, I don't know why you mad. I don't know. Like, are you serious, America? So when there are ramifications for fucking up other people's shit in other countries. Yeah. Girl, I don't know why you're so mad. I don't know why you're so pressed. Well, America, because you are messy again. Yeah. Get out of my house. So it sounds like in the 1970s, when our subject was born, um, was terribly violent. A lot of articles reference fascism. And even though we don't know much about his childhood, I think it made whatever happened to him, whatever you experienced, made becoming a police officer very attractive because yeah. he had power and was protected by this badge. And clearly it didn't work out. And he had what somebody said, aggressive sexual behavior. Yeah. And I'm just sad, like I said earlier, that there's so many there's it's unclear how many bodies there are, but. They haven't identified all of them, and they oh, did. yeah. As far as like when you look at the scenes of the news footage and the YouTube videos, they got so many people in those hazmat suits,
1: right? The with Digging notepads, and, yeah.
0: and reporters are like, they say they'll they'll let us know more information in a month, two months, and we're yeah. years and later. They never like, did. What yeah. the fuck? So yeah. also, murder squad. uh get that off the end i don't want to order it so uh uh, let's get into how not to get murdered if you love true crime and you don't want to die here's a tip for you
1: (laughs) (laughs) this segment is not intended to be victim blaming we thought of this segment because i read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer this is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences.
0: Yo! So this tip is from our fruity, Corey. Hey, Corey. Hey, Corey. Hey, boo. Hey, boo, hey. <laughs> so um, Corey is one of our Patreons, and he gave us some tips and said, I'm going to give a self-defense tip. Most people who know anything about basic self-defense know to aim for soft tissue, right? Class, mm-hmm. nod your yep. head, Yes. But in the event that somebody grabs you from behind or somebody doesn't have a ball sack for you to kick. <laughs> I love you, Corey. <laughs> um, I always recommend shin raking. Ooh. I've never heard yeah. of this move, but it sounds painful.
1: It sounds very painful.
0: Yeah. So put the corner of your shoe against their shin. So right, you lift you would lift ooh, your heel up and stomp ooh. as hard as you can. It hurts like a bitch, according to Corey. I bet. And will distract whoever it is long enough for you to either throw some punches, kicks, or straight up run away. Another yeah, tip. That's
1: me. I'm running away.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, the fight, flight or fawn, you don't know what how you're gonna react, but it's good yeah. to have these tips in mind because you never know. Another tip from Corey is if somebody grabs your ponytail or hair, Don't pull your head away. What? No. What do you mean? How am I gonna get my hair out, Corey? Corey says, grab your hair with one hand as close to your head as possible, under their hand. This gives you control. Your other hand will be placed palm open, facing your attacker, pushing their hand back toward them and pull away simultaneously. If any of your listeners have the financial ability to take a martial arts course, do it. Corey recommends either Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or Kali. I never heard of Kali, but it is an American name. And apparently uh, Arnis or Eskrima are the Tagalog names. Oh, thanks for those. Thanks for those gems. Culture Corner. Yeah. Corey. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. And uh, Kali will teach everything from hand to hand weapons training. What? To punches and kicks. Think any knife fight in a movie like John Wick is a good example. That's Kali.
1: Oh, nice. So I guess it's uh from the Philippines. Yes, yes,
0: yes. So we love those tips. Again, what was it? Uh, somebody grabs you from behind. raking, Got him. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to have
1: to Google that hair thing because yeah. I don't really but uh, I do understand it. So, uh, under- But I, I'm sure I can Google it and find a video.
0: Yeah. So if they grab your ponytail, don't pull your head away. Grab your right. hair and Put your push.
1: hand on your head underneath their hand. Uh-huh. And at the same uh. time with
0: your other hand, if you are lucky to have another one, then pu- push <laughs> them away. Push yeah. their hand. Yeah,
1: I'm going to Google it.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. All so, right. and then um, don't forget about self-defense classes are available everywhere now, including online. And sometimes they're offered for free. You know, even at the library, I think yeah, some places offers them. So if you ever get an opportunity to to take a self defense class, everybody should do it. In my mind, I fight like you know, kill Kill Bill, Uma Thurman. Ah! People, I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't. I,
1: I yeah, I definitely <laughs> do not.
0: <laughs> All right, well, let's get into shout out time where we shout out any content. By or about people of color or any other marginalized folks or any true crime goodies, I've got two.
1: Okay, stamped
0: from the beginning.
1: Oh yeah, you shouted that out before, I... and now it's now it's on Netflix. Yeah,
0: it is.
1: Yep, it's out.
0: Oh yay! I wrote Max,
1: or it's on I mean, Max. I'm sorry, no, no, no not on is, Netflix. I
0: think it is. So it's on Netflix, stamped from the beginning, and then Murder at the End of the World on Hulu. Have you begun this yet? I haven't. No, is it good? I love it. It is a murder mystery. Hackers are involved. The girl who played Princess Diana in the last season of The Crown is involved. Okay. Clive Owen is involved, and uh, it is. I still don't know what's what. Like it because it only comes out weekly on Hulu.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Maybe I'll wait for it all to come out. Um,
0: But yeah, (laughs) like, damn it, is it Tuesday yet? It uh, is really great. It's it's a mur- as I said a murder mystery, and there's a billionaire who wants to solve climate change. He invites all these hackers to his bunker and uh, to figure out how to solve climate change. Then a murder happens, and it's like huh. this female protagonist trying to figure out what's happening. What's going, what's going on? on? Yeah,
1: great. What do you got? So I wanted to shout out a podcast called Ghost Story. Wait a minute. This is a true crime goodie. Okay. It's a bunch of white people. Okay. (laughs) It's just a really good podcast and it is a ghost story, but it is also a story about a murder. So it's really good.
0: Wait a minute. Is this the British guy with the house,
1: his grandma? Oh, okay.
0: That was really good. Yeah. Your endorsement has me wanting to subscribe, so I'm going to do yeah. it right now. I binged
1: the whole thing in a couple of days, yeah.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah.
1: I have one more.
0: You do? Oh, High on the Hog is back!
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to shout out High on the Hog, How African American Cuisine Transformed America on Netflix. Oh, good. Chef and writer Steven Satterfield breaks bread with cooks and scholars while exploring Black cuisine's history and flavorful contributions to America.
0: Oh, I love it. I I loved the first season. I do have some complaints about how dry the people on Netflix let his hairstyle look, but that's been... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, his hair did look a little ashy. Anyway, but they fixed it. So just to recap, (laughs) that's Stamped from the Beginning on Netflix, Murder at the End of the World on Hulu, Ghost Story, a podcast, True Crime Goodie. And lastly, High on the Hog, How African American Cuisine Transformed America on Netflix. So plenty to watch this week. Yeah, there you go. Let us know what you are watching because I need recommendations. Yep, me too. And it looks like, oh, that's the end of our it's program. That's the end of the show, yeah. Well, well Nancy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Well, Ronnie. <laughs> Our website is fruitloopspod.com, and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all of our social media. The footnotes for each episode can be found on our website, plus check it out for the different ways that you can support the show and become a Fruit Loops patron. You can also support us by supporting our sponsors or by giving us a five-star review. Five stars only, please.
0: Oh, five (laughs) stars only, please. Oh, man, I I was...
1: (laughs) usually you get funny. there first I know, five stars <laughs> only okay yes <laughs> and don't forget to subscribe yes yeah.
0: all right so this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every thursday so until next time look alive y'all it's crazy out there
1: You all right over there? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Sounded like you fell off your chair. Uh,
0: well, I thought I was gonna, and then I did it. But then something else fell. So <laughs> I'm
1: just moving some
0: things around for maximum podcastage. <laughs> 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 um. But I believe that I am. Ready? Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Doop doop Here comes Bethaclaus, Here comes Bethaclaus, Right down Speth lane. murder on the lane. Doop doop
1: doop doop I'm just stunned.
0: Yeah, me too. It's really good. I mean, if somebody was in here with me, they would probably call the crisis hotline call, call or call 911 9-1- whistle. Yeah, because I'm doing a lot right now. I almost got a muscle cramp when I sang that. One.
1: Anyway. <laughs> oh. I don't know from somebody. Hang um, on, I'll find it. I have Instagram <laughs> open right now. Why did I do that?
0: Why did you do that, Wendy? All right, we're back from outer space. I just walked in, found you here with that sad look upon your face. <laughs> for our new, for I, I forgot to copy and paste the last line. I have to do it one more time. I'm very sorry. I'm going to be thinking about this mistake I made for the next two weeks. Okay, <laughs>
1: one second. The date for the video club is.
0: Is the name. Is. <laughs> hmm. this is what getting sober is like <laughs> i have so much time for impressions <laughs>
1: Hear that, kids? If you get sober, you can have time for impressions, too. Oh, my God. Okay, so. (laughs) Well, Nancy. El monstruo de Chalchuapa. Chalchuapa. Chalchuapa.
0: Here, sir. Good, good, sir. My good, sir. My good man. (laughs) Let's see. Oh, uh, where do my songs go? Oh, okay. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight, cisgender, white dudes. What? No, I've been watching Real Housewives, and I love Southern accent
1: <laughs> because the news is racist, allegedly. I'm not sure if you're doing Australian or oh, Southern. Oh man, really?
0: <laughs> oh, that was my Texas white lady accent. Oh, I'm so giddy with excitement! What an excellent idea! Uh, all right, well, oh my God! Okay, when we get into the, uh, I okay, one more thing, I almost messaged you. Um, Moving on, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> one more, one more spit. Mm. Oh, okay. Glad we had this talk. In that case. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't slept in a couple days. So, yeah, let's I go will. sleep. Let's, let's sleep. Sweet let's dreams. sleep. All right, you <laughs> too. Bye.
1: The detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, Is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. Twenty-three years ago, 18-year-old
2: Renee Ramis went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge
1: of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something.
3: She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered.
0: They are
1: involved. They
0: definitely had her body and her backpack.
1: You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course, they're judging me now. They've been judging me
3: again my whole life.
1: You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee?
0: I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast, Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage. In 1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured and left to die in a burning car in
2: Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most
0: of them at work, but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. A production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network. You can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at KillerPodcast.com.